0: Hello, I'm Chris Biddle, and thanks for joining me. And this is episode ninety, yeah, ninety into the nervous nineties of Inside AgriTurf. Now, small businesses, especially those family-owned and run, rarely have dedicated departments to prepare forecasts, arrange finance, manage staff issues, handle recruitment, transport, environmental regulations, and hundred and one day-to-day issues. All of which are highly time-consuming. Which is why one of the most important challenges for all family businesses, that is to consider what will happen to the family and the business in 10, 15, 20 years time, is often put on the back burner. In other words, succession planning. And it's never like that flashy TV series of the same name where The main issues seem to surround who is going to ride in a private jet or floating gin palace as a dysfunctional family jockey for position to succeed the stubborn father figure. Last November, Heather Wildman was amongst the speakers at the Service Dealer Conference and it is clear that many of the delegates were highly engaged with Heather's advice for those who had not yet thought seriously about succession. So I thought it timely to invite Heather, who runs Saviour Associates, to join me on Inside AgriTurf to talk about the key issues that each and every small business will have to face if it is to plot its future through these ever-changing times. So Heather, welcome. Many thanks for joining me. And perhaps first, uh, could you tell me a little bit about your background and and how you got involved in providing advice and guidance on, on matters of succession?
1: Um, I'm from a farming background, grew up on a beef and sheep hill farm uh, just outside the Lake District and always been involved in agriculture, started off as a sales rep. Um, Predominantly, I was in dairy and then I moved into um, area manager for a milk company and then I got into knowledge exchange and uh, doing discussion groups, worked a lot with agriculture with farmers, young farmers. Then I I got in a field farming scholarship which was on communication, how to influence and motivate change, which was just the most amazing opportunity and really opened my eyes. I got to travel all over the world. And from there, I set up my own business, looking at staff, looking at leadership uh, and facilitating discussion groups. And funny, it was more and more when I was having meetings, whether it be a staff issue, whether it be a frustration of not being able to progress the business or young farmers with leadership, behind the scenes seemed to be succession. More and more frequently, people were hitting um, their heads against it. And at that point, back in 2015, um, 16 it was, there wasn't too many people focusing on the people side of succession. There was a lot of lawyers and solicitors um, and accountants uh, looking at the business and the tax side of it, but it was the people that really fascinated me. Um, so it was in 2016. I went to Australia and did another bit of a, a study tour, going around a number of businesses. Another Rabo Bank. I was in uh, Canberra, Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney, uh, not Sydney, Melbourne, Dublin. Well, so it was in Perth um, as well. And and it was incredible. It really opened my eyes. And listening, and the reason I went to Australia was at that point there was a lot of. Severe highs and lows um, in in productivity and profitability because of the droughts. There was severe isolation, mental health. There was a lot of suicide. And, yeah, so it was Rabobank, and they were really, really helpful. So, And I I met a a succession specialist out in Dubbo as well who was just incredible, and she was a bit of a disruptor. (laughs) Um, And um, so, really, I learned a lot from everybody there, and then I've made it in my own style. Um, and my own way of working with it and then I did follow up with a lot of professionals to make sure because I'm not an accountant, I'm not a solicitor, I'm not a lawyer, I have no legal training whatsoever, I just really care about people and I I seem to have a a skill of being able to get people to open up and to make people feel comfortable and safe And, and I guess one of the other things I do is because have a lot of experience out working with other businesses from being a sales rep you sort of say well have you tried this have you thought about this you know it's it's giving them more ideas because unfortunately a lot of people just hear the problems whereas I'm a big believer in solutions and um, so yeah I sort of accidentally really 2016 but it's been the most amazing opportunity and such a privilege getting to meet and and listen and to see the inside of Families and their businesses,
0: In, indeed, and and um, had a. I guess all situations are, are different, uh, but are there some sort of common uh, areas of conflict where succession raises its head?
1: Yeah, I think everything is all grand while we're all towing the line, and where there's a, a definite, if you like, boss or leader. And it's when there's a a challenge to the um, the culture, a a challenge to the direction, a challenge to where we're going. And that often tends to be an immediate conflict, whether someone wants to go in one direction, whether someone wants to invest in a certain area or whether someone wants to, you know, just have a different pace of life. If you like, that can often be the thing. And I also, one's not right, one's not wrong, but sometimes people try and correct me on that one.
0: Uh, I was going to say, uh, and when you're talking to people, is there is there a difficulty in, in, in really pitching the tone? Often people decide what they want to hear uh, and, and you actually have to probably procrastinate. I won't say that, but uh, procrastinate is rather a big word, but um, on, on what they need to hear, what they must hear. In other words, they must know the truth. They must know the, the bottom line to what they're talking about. Yeah,
1: so I I start really very simply. And, um, and my whole my whole mission as Saviour Associates is to try and enable more families, more people, more businesses to have the conversation before there's fallout, debt or, or death. And because we can have we can be a little more free, we can have more time and we can be more open minded. But so that for me is to have more families starting a conversation at least before they're 50 and uh, the senior partner or the owner. I think that if you can have it in time, tone and language, you know, when to have the conversation. I always say, you know, if you use the right timing, use the right tone and use the correct language, it's amazing what you can get away with. And you can dissolve quite heated, quite emotive, quite difficult areas, depending on how, when and where you hold the conversation.
0: And um, presumably it's it's never too early to start this conversation.
1: No, I think, you know, a lot of businesses that you and I see and work with, you know, they'll do risk assessments, they'll do projections, they'll be doing budgets, they'll be, you know, doing sales talks, they'll be introducing new innovation and new products and technology, and they'll do marketing plans and all these kind of things. But actually, when you know the greatest risk to any business is the ownership and the knowledge that's in the key people's heads. So, you know, it should just be part of risk assessment and good business diligence. I think we need to get the word succession out and just say how at risk is this business? If um, you or I weren't here, who would do that? What knowledge have we lost? And what skills and knowledge do we need to be bringing forward to face the new future challenges, competitors and everything as well?
0: Yeah, and and presumably it is important, Heather, that there should be complete openness about all the issues, because obviously the head of the family might have negotiated fam, uh, financial uh, deals and arrangements. Um, but it is presumably very important to get all that information out on the table so that everybody understands uh, what the what the end plan can be.
1: And I think there's a this assumption is you know the, the the fall down of many many businesses, and and I I do it really simply when I get a family together and ideally if I can I'll get everybody and and it'll be you know the the, the senior generation the husbands the wives the partners the off farming kids the on farming kids that's when it it's gold. And you can get it all going. But sometimes they don't need to be there because it's been, you know, the personal side's been left. with It's just the business. So it's the business partners that need to be there. But I want to have everything written down. What have we got? What is the ownership structure? What is the value? Is it a partnership? Is it a limited company? Is it a sole trader? what's the value of it all, um, and what's the debt. And often they forget the debt. Everyone sees, you know, all the – because, you know, depending – I know some of the the listeners to this podcast will be maybe from agriculture, so there might be a bit of farming land. Some of it could be quite big commercial properties and different things as well, and stock. So it's it's what's in their partnership or what's in the limited company, what isn't, and write it all down. Whose name is it in as well? That can be fascinating. And also, who is in any partnership agreements that we might not be aware of? And so, putting it all down on a massive sheet of paper is a brilliant place to start. Because also, when you turn on the TV, when you turn on the radio, all you hear is negativity. We're doomed. The, you know, the markets, the industry, uh, trade, uh, the costs, the inputs, everything is, is just raising. And you could just think, what's the point? But actually, a lot of people are in a far better position than they think they're in. Mind you, not all, but, more, you know, it, it, on the whole, when I'm working with families, it's like, oh, and how long have we got that debt for? When will that be paid off? All oh, right. So if we if we do it for another five years or another 10 years, then that is going to release all this money so we could do something else with that. You know, and it just changes the tone of the conversation. But, you know, some people, they make a lot of assumptions. So that's where I always stand.
0: Is there any particular difficulties where you've got extended families? In other words, while the sons and the daughters might be in the business, their their wives, their girlfriends, their fiancés, and uncles, aunts, and that sort of thing also might want to put their their five eggs into the into the discussion. Um, and and can this be a problem sometimes? It
1: can be a prop. Uh, it can be a huge problem problem and it, it it's but it can also be a massive asset depending on their skill set and and how the, the structure of the business is set in place so you're right many businesses work absolutely fine when it is the the core family members and everybody knows their role they know the hours they know the ways of working they know the language they know the the pay and they're just used to it they don't challenge it and unfortunately, these in-laws, they do get a bit of bad press. And uh, and I have been one, and I'm now an ex-one. So I've probably got that badge of honor right up there. But the in-laws, on the whole, you know, it, it depends on the business structure because some people, they get a fairly minimum pay, but they're getting capital and they're getting shares in the business. Um, and that's fine when they live on their own, but then if they've maybe got children and a house to run and everything else, suddenly we need a little bit more money. So the in-laws can be saying, Well, what about this? What would happen if anything happened to you? And it it's not been difficult. It's actually just been sensible and saying, Where's the risk to us if anything happens? And and that's why I really like when any new partner comes into a business or a new family member is that we sit down and we look at the structure and we look at what um, and, and treat it like we would if we went to work for a commercial business, whether it be an accountant, a lawyer or, you know, um, a, a service dealer, that you would have a job contract. You would know your hours of work. You would know your days of work. You would know when you were getting paid. You'd know your holidays. We need to treat family exactly the same. And then if someone is getting married, you know what they get, if, there's, um, if they've got a house that's provided, Again, there's a budget for a new kitchen. There's a budget for a new bathroom. Um, If you want the most famous Italian uh, marble, that's absolutely fine, but your budget is £5,000 or whatever, and you can then top it up. It just puts all these clarities in place like you would on a a company structure. Take the family out of business and make it business.
0: You you talk about the importance of, of writing things down and getting it down on paper, um, and indeed uh, many of these conversations will take place in the business, but I guess a lot of these conversations take place over Sunday lunch and, and informal meetings, where it would seem somewhat incongruous, possibly, to sort of get out your notebook and start, oh, we must write this down. But, but presumably that's also very important, because if somebody agrees something over the over the kitchen table over Sunday lunch, then... Uh, that that to them is settled. And, and, and if it's not written down, then 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 it might become a problem in the future.
1: Yeah, I've got loads of examples of this, you know, where someone has been used to, and in this particular element, it was a senior partner that was used to investing and changing some big kit quite regularly. And um, you know, finances had changed, the economics weren't coming in, the the grain prices and everything had dropped. So the next generation was saying, right, we need to consolidate, we're not buying anymore. And everyone agreed at the table, that's absolutely fine. And then two weeks later, the um the, com- the dealer's on the phone saying, uh just want to confirm the combine that, that yeah, your dad's ordered. There's uh, da, 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 <laughs> hell to pay.
0: Well, we're sending a uh, new Porsche back.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, sending the new Porsche back, exactly. But, yeah, it is really, really important because it's likewise if someone says you're going to be in a dealer, uh, you're going to become a partner, we're going to do this, we're going to make this investment, and it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. So by having timelines, by having dates, by having it written down is really important. And and tragically, I was working with quite a significant um, contractor and machinery dealer and farmer in their own right a few years ago, and I was brought in there. It was to start off looking at a staff review, and um, and he had two children, and uh, the, the his marriage had broken down, but it was all fairly. Um, Uh, amenable and then we thought we'll bring the children in because we wanted to know where their vision and views were for the business and then that ended up going into a succession talk and and it was really very it was open and it was the first time the children because of the family breakdowns and everything had really talked about what they wanted where they wanted to be but dad also opened up and said When he wanted to retire, how he viewed the business and what he wanted to be. And then we we came back and thankfully it was all minuted. And I think that's sometimes where having an external (coughs) individual is there's a third party that, you know, No, that was said and that was recorded. And you got to check the minutes and you agreed these were true and correct. Because on this particular really, really sad occasion, the dad uh, had a heart problem very suddenly. And where in perhaps during tragic, never came out. And when it came to the executors, having those um, minutes from the two family meetings that we had were the only evidence of exactly where dad's views and what his wishes and everything were. And they were an absolute, um, <clears throat> you know, key for the, the executors and the trustees. So yeah, having it written down, having timelines and having dates, uh, I, I couldn't agree more.
0: Now, I understand that, that 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 whilst there's not an an exact uh, solution for every uh, every situation, um, there are. I, I think you you list six D's that are the, are the key topics. To perhaps you'd just like to run through those. Um,
1: I think we always think you know oh, I'll do it tomorrow and um, it'll be fine you know we're young we're young and, and as soon as you start planning succession or doing your wills or doing a power attorney that's it you know he's here he's going to whip you away and you, you've just tempted fate but you know whether we like it or not businesses will transition we we do not get to hold the reins forever and ever and you know we don't know whether we're here for a fun long ride and, and a, a good long run in or whether, you know, we've just got a very quick whirlwind of the life experience. And thankfully, we don't know that. But one way or another, whether it be divorce, disease, debt, disability, disagreements or death, businesses will transition and you will have to address this topic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, now I didn't write those down, but I will put those uh, three, sorry, sixties uh, yeah. in the show notes yeah. to this uh, episode. So uh, uh, to save anybody quickly writing them down. And and um, is there any one of those that is more important than the rest, or are they all interlocking?
1: Of course, it depends where you are and what hits you first, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. And, and also, you probably think, oh, you know, we're a really strong business, financially secure. What I've seen through COVID is how quickly fortunes can change. You know, businesses that have been extremely resilient, strong, you know, generations have lasted through. And then just a couple of things that potentially were out of their hands has just been, you know, changed the, the from black to red very, very quickly and um and, and closed a lot of options um, going forward. So for me, you know, when you've got partners in a business and also I think what's really important when we talk about disagreement and debt, what is your expectation out of the business? What what do you need to live on? And I love this debate when I'm talking with families and, and this is where it can really fall out, particularly, you know, when we're, we're growing a dealership, there's the opportunities to expand, there's maybe opportunities to buy out other competitors and things. What is your um, desire for growth? What is your desire for debt? What is your ambition uh, of what you need in retirement? And some people say, oh, Heather, I'd struggle to live on £12,000 a year. You know, I, I don't think I could spend all of that. And then I've got other people that, well, you know, I think I need a minimum of 100, you know, for, for the Ferrari and the uh, yes. mazda It doesn't huh. just do it sell. So that's where, again, in a, in a family or in a business, if, if we've got different drivers, if you want to retire on 15,000 a year, your motivators and drivers will be different to someone that needs 100. And, and that can start tug and pull within businesses. And one's not right, one's not wrong, but it certainly changes how you are driven and maybe the way that you push and pull the business.
0: Now, the family business, and I've worked in family businesses, and I've, I've been uh, subject to a succession issues. And so I know how personal being in a family business can be, when it comes down to it, which is more important, keeping the family together or keeping the business together?
1: Oh, my word, the golden question. It really depends on your family and your business, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) Um, It does. There isn't a right or wrong, and I have seen some people, I just want to you know, give them a a knock and just sort of say, are you seeing what your decisions are doing to your family? You know, it's it's at it all cost the business, it's at all cost the reputation, it's at all cost the pride, regardless of what it is doing to other people. And and I and I see that a lot in farming in particular. But you know, likewise, you know, is people's change, industry changes, our motivators, our drivers change. So you know you could bring in someone to manage the business and if you know that the family aren't motivated by it or are interested or haven't got the key skills uh, and experience to run it why not have a manager in why not have a contractor in why not let it out and then it's still within the family for the next generation who might be interested or the family members have maybe just got sickened because of maybe something that's happened or the. The, the life work-life balance that it brought that they maybe just need to go and work away for a wee while see something else come back with a little bit of confidence a bit of maturity and maybe some financial independence that then they can say do you know what we'll drive this forward but the other thing for me is when it's just a um, one child gets it all and then there's nothing left for the other children or they think they're getting it all and then when their parents die oh I've got to divide this. That was never the work, you know. So for me, transparency is really key from an early age. Yeah, it's absolutely fine if everything's to be split equally four ways, as long as people know from the beginning.
0: Presumably, you have been in situations in conversations where it where it has kicked off, where it's um really sort of got rather uh, I won't say ugly, but but difficult to handle. But what's your technique for uh, Calming everybody down and asking everybody to take five or have a cup of coffee or do what.
1: Um, Sometimes you just have to sit and let the steam till it wears out.
0: Blow out their ears.
1: Because um, I'm I'm thinking of one example, and it was a family. uh, Mum and um, mum and dad were in the meeting. The children, mum and dad, were separated, and there was a, a real clash. Between mum and one of the children, and there was, and we'd all agreed the family rules. I, I, I set out the rules of how we're all going to be here, how we're going to treat each other, and everything. And in this particular one, the mum just went completely off. She and she was not to be interrupted. She had things that needed to be said, and she would say them. And we got how a family times trying to interrupt them. Some of the other children were quite embarrassed. And then the sun got up, and there was such a ding dong going on. And um, so, in the end, I just sat back and just let it all go, and um, and let them finish. And I says, "Have you have you quite finished now? Are you sure there's nothing else that you think needs to be said?" And you know, there were like two bulls that had been giving it what for in a field, and they were exhausted and blowing. And um, and, the
0: analogy. (laughs) And
1: at at the end of it, I says, "Did either of you listen to what the other one said?" Because after probably a good five minutes of quite, you know energetic debate and um, they were actually agreeing which was the most bonkers thing and it was and when I sat that down to they would still not have it because they were just too similar which was was such a shame and then on another one I think there was mental health um involved in the other one that was two brothers and one minute there uh, that one brother had another one in a, a neck uh, arm wrestle and giving him what for and then the next minute they were hugging and crying it was so extreme and the consultant that gave me that um particular uh, client i, I just um, shook his hand and said thank you <laughs> I, said, I don't think i've experienced anything like it but Oh, did we but,
0: get in, but in it? a way heather that's that's almost a good thing to get that out because if that's boiling under the surface with people to have that sort of extreme reaction and physical reaction as well um, and as you, you you quite rightly said that it does actually clear the air and 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 it does sort of set that some people can find common ground as a result of that and i, I
1: that's kind of what my view is and it's it's also, it's no good if everybody puts on their best boots and, and and isn't true to themselves in the meeting. And we all agree to everything and it's just fake news because once the independent isn't there, we revert to normal. And, you know, generally at some point there's a, an absolute something comes out and you think, oh, because <laughs> sometimes with the you think, oh, this is going really well, I don't think they need me. And you know because you don't know you've only got a certain length of time, you don't know where the landmine is, or you don't know what the real uh crux is, and generally it comes out at some point and you're like, right, now we have the real issue now we can really get to work on this
0: it's so uh, now you you obviously go in as a as an independent as a mediator as a sounding board if if you like, and an advisor how um is it sometimes Probably important or even essential to put somebody from outside the family, uh, embed them within the family, possibly as a non-exec director or or whatever. I mean, have you seen that happen?
1: Yeah, um, I think, you know, structured families with respect, with common values, with an agreed vision goal, a direction where they're going, you know, they they can work along brilliantly. And they generally don't need it because there's a natural element of that there. But often um, when businesses are are growing and expanding and we've got multiple um, family members in, we've got multiple generations in, I think it can be really valuable to have a non-exec come in just to give a different perspective to to challenge some of the the, the, the reasons and the where, the why, the hows. Um, to also give an update on what's happening and how things are doing elsewhere and what else they've seen. And it, it can completely change the tone and bring a real professionalism in. And also by having a, an external or a third party in, it tends to mean that the meetings are planned once a quarter, a half yearly. So they actually happen because that is one of the downfalls I find. We, we know we've got to do it. We're going to do it. But we're all busy. There's some, you know, emergency, there's something happens, someone's children are sick or, you know, there's a an accident or something and the meeting gets cancelled. But generally, if we know there's a third person in, it happens and we sit and, and we all have to come to the meeting with something. I like it when we all own a certain area of the business. So we take control and charge and we maybe have to give a contribution, we have to give a report. We have to give a justification of some spend, of some profit, of some debt, of some loss that's come in. So we've all got a role and responsibility um, and an, an, an investment, if you like, and a purpose in the business.
0: And where you've got various family members, sons, daughters, how important is it to? Uh, to match their particular interests or skill set to the to the needs of the business, because uh, one one particular family member might well be a very uh, a technical wizard, good with his hands, and there's no good putting him in as financial director. Presumably, is it important to find out where the interest level and where the skill sets lie amongst the members of the family? Yeah, I
1: think I would agree because some people are really adaptable. And and can turn their hands to anything and and just want to be involved and want to be helpful. Others, you know, I I certainly, you you wouldn't want me in certain areas of business, trust me. You know, I would just cause even more trouble and carnage than I can do. You know, I think people that are good at what they do, love what they're doing and and are growing while doing it. You know, it, it just takes a whole new energy into the business. What I really encourage, though, is that whoever comes into any business, they start at the bottom and they work in every division, in every department, at every level within that department. So they see the whole piece of the puzzle that makes the whole. And then when, you know, a different division or a different department is having challenges, they can see the impact and the consequences of what that might be, rather than, you know, thinking, and, and that to me is really, really powerful if you can get everybody in the business and then they can start seeing, and ideally if they do like an apprenticeship or a term through each one, they can then naturally see where they fit in or where there's opportunities to grow and improve as well.
0: And presumably you do come across cases, Heather, where some of the sons or daughters, or family members have have been away from the business and got experience in other spheres, other companies can that be useful or can it be divisive because they might, well, come back and say, well, this is how they do it in uh, JCB or whoever. Uh, can, that be, can that be an advantage or can it be a, a drawback sometimes?
1: I think it's back to time, tone and language again, Chris, isn't it? <laughs> you know, It's like I, I can be a bit, you know, when you've been on a course or a leadership program or anything, you come back and you're like, oh, bullshit, we've got all the answers and you realise – the other part of the family or the partnership hasn't been on that journey and uh, you can come across a bit of a dick. But um, I'm not sure that word's allowed on this one, Chris. Oh, it no,
0: most certainly is.
1: But, you know, so you have to, it, it, it is, again, thinking. it's a bit respectful. And and it's it's looking at why the way the business is where it is now, the history of it as well. And and a lot of people don't realise that ancestry and the, um, the legacy of the business until someone's dead and they hear the eulogy. And, and I think that's often quite sad. So to see well how did the good business get here? what is the journey? what worked what didn't and and, and by having the um, the more business side of things, you should have an ideas board that you would say, you know, I'm really thinking about this idea and I'm a, a, I'm a big fan of whiteboards, I should be on commission for them. And you could have a, you know, a packet board where folk come with all these ideas and you put them up on the whiteboard because it might not be relevant now, it might not be the budget now, it might be whatever now, but don't rule it out. And I think there's nothing worse as well when you are young, because again, different personality styles. Someone, it's, some people are always coming forward with ideas, they're always buzzing with it. And um, and it's learning the different personalities. And and if you're coming up with those ideas and suggestions and you're always getting pushed back down, you're always getting pushed back, you know, it, it's demotivating as well. So there's, there's a little bit on both sides. And if you are the matriarch of the business and you don't want to be told what to do, it is your way or the highway. I would encourage the next generation to go and work away, allow them, keep showing an interest, keep showing involvement, but allow them to take their time because sometimes we just can't work
0: together. Indeed, and you would have got that level of experience on the Nuffield scholarships and so on, uh, really opened your eyes in different parts of the world. And uh, I think you often need to travel uh, and look back at this country to put this country uh, in perspective, if you, if you like. Um, is there, sort of during the time that you've been involved in there, is there sort of one particular, without obviously naming names, uh, is there one particular case that, that that has particularly pleased you that you were able to um to particularly help with?
1: Yeah, there's a few and, and it's funny because depending on what, what our work is, I do quite a lot of discussion groups and conferences and things, and then you do the one to ones. And some one to ones you, you you're just in for the first meeting to set the scene because we, we do come as a cost but I would say an investment. <clears throat> and what One of the greatest skills, I think, and the the wins is when we've got families that have been at a challenge and they know they need to split, but they couldn't see how to split. They couldn't see how people could be able to live. And it was getting really quite nasty is to be able to think, right, what do you really all want out of this? Why are we splitting? Why are we going different ways? And what is a successful uh, end going to look like? What would each of the parties need? What we want, what we need to have? And then we we look at what we've got again, put everything out there, and and then we look at the, uh, the debt and the repayment structure. And this particular family, it, 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 it sadly it was you know the it was two brothers, and it was the in laws, the all falling out, and and then the children start to get involved as well. But once we set it all out and we said what was success going to look like, and there was a way around it, we we put a timeline in place we got agreements in place and we got reviews so that they could each see that progress was being made and that they all came together. They each had we put agreed points of call where they needed to work together to get to that end. And sometimes they needed a third party in there just to make sure it was always kept to the point and not going off tracks so with the past being brought up. And, and that was a great one. And we, I, I actually worked in line with that one, with the accountant, with the consultant and with the solicitor in the end. And we got that over uh, the line and it was, it was a great thing. And the families can still be civil. they will never be friends. There's too much under the bridge, but they can be civil and be professional, particularly when, you know, out at a wedding or different things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's been quite a nice
0: one. And and um, well, look, I really do thank you for, for, for really giving us very interesting insight in, into what is, it is what yeah, subject that really taxes a lot of companies, and it and it's really difficult because families are involved, and and families equals often tension, friendship, and all sorts of emotions between them. Is is there one out of everything you've said? Is there one single, if you could distill it down? Is there one single piece of advice that you would give to anybody considering succession, uh, Heather?
1: A lot of people when they address. Um, succession you know their their legacy and ambition is to go to the grave and on their headstone written is I farmed or I worked and I paid no tax uh, which is fantastic well done but in life we do have to pay some taxes and and I think it's it's looking at what's right for the family what's right for the business and if you've got enough time and planning then you can do it right manage the tax for me the tax has to be important you've got to consider it and Please do not bury your head. Do not think I'm dead. It's not my problem. You know, address it now. Get a good will. Get a good lawyer. Get a good solicitor. Take advice. Or take more advice. And sit down. And speak to your family.
0: And it's never an overnight fix, presumably.
1: No, that, that, you know, one. Well, I just I got a lovely email last night from a family that I've been involved with uh, for probably about three years, and it was meant to all be sorted in eighteen months. And he just messaged me yesterday. And it was so nice to say, Heather, just to say we've eventually got full settlement. I've got all my money out and I just want to thank you for all the help you did. And I was like, Uh, how on earth has it taken so long? But it was COVID, it was solicitors, it tax years. It depends on the names of the properties. You know, if you're changing things over, it can have consequences of capital gain. You know, there's so many things. So sometimes it can be done in eight months and sometimes it's three years. So the sooner you start, the more options and opportunities you have.
0: Uh, and, and and is there is there one motto or saying that you um you have sort of written up behind the loo door or anything that uh, that drives you forward every day?
1: <laughs> Just beckon <fucking> do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, look. On that note, Heather, I really must thank you once again. It's been most enjoyable and and informative. And and I will put some of the notes, uh, particularly about the 60s, up on the show notes to this episode. So uh, anybody can go there and consult with it, as there will be a link to your uh, organisation, your company. But thank you once again.
1: Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. All
0: the best. So, yes. My thanks to Heather, and there really was such a lot to take in there, but I guess the key points were to start discussions early, record everything for future reference, be totally transparent, and don't worry, if it all gets a bit too heated, it's better to let it out than bottle it. As I said, I've included a listing of the six Ds that all might influence discussions on succession in the show notes to this episode, and also a link to Heather's company, Saviour Associates. Yes, I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me and this is Inside Agriturf.